to episode one of Smart Sustainability, a show about sustainability through a local lens. I'm Emily, the secretary of Wilmington High School's Environmental Club. And I'm Stephanie, one of the founders of the Wilmington High School Environmental Club and a professional working in sustainability. In this first episode, we will be discussing plastics. This is because plastics are everywhere and indispensable to our modern lives, yet plastics production has connections to three major issues, climate change, human health, and environmental pollution. And the rate at which we and the rest of the world consume plastics is increasing fast. Emily and I are going to do a quick review of what plastics are and where they come from, and then we'll get into how they are connected to climate change, their impacts on human health, and finally, challenges with pollution and recyclability. Emily's also going to help us really dig into that third category, plastic waste, and tell us about a related project that Wilmington High School E-Club is working on. So to get started, what exactly is plastic, Emily? Well, plastic is a synthetic material called a polymer that is made of repeating units called monomers. Plastics can be molded into shapes while soft and become rigid only or only slightly flexible after they've hardened. Plastic products are were inexpensive and therefore accessible for consumers, which led to their surge in popularity and made the material a staple in our everyday lives. Today, plastics are more popular than ever. Americans alone use 100 billion plastic bags per year. On a global scale, we've reduced 380 million tons of plastic per year. It goes without saying, but that is a substantial amount of plastic. Yes, it is. And many people don't realize this, but plastics are made from fossil fuels. They can be made from other raw materials, but even today, decades after their invention in the early 1900s, 99% of plastics are made from petrochemicals, which are chemicals derived from petroleum or other fossil fuels. And this is, of course, the connection to climate change. The extraction, refining, processing, and manufacturing of fossil fuels into plastics not only drives demand for fossil fuels, but it creates greenhouse gas emissions. Based on current production and growth estimates, plastics will consume 12% of our global carbon budget by 2050. So plastics made from fossil fuels, which today is virtually all of them, are bad for the climate, but they're also bad for human health. This is because of toxic emissions released in their production processes, but also in their improper disposal. When plastics are burned out in the open like they are in many countries that lack good waste management infrastructure, particulate matter as well as toxic chemicals are formed. These cause air pollution, asthma in children and adults, lung disease, and a wide variety of other health problems. The World Health Organization calculated that chemical-related health issues cost us the equivalent of 10% of global GDP every year. Since our economies run on fossil fuels, our governments subsidize them to make them cheaper. This means that plastics are also very inexpensive. When materials are so cheap, it can be difficult to convince people to recycle them. Plastic recycling is currently a big mess, and not just in the U.S., but globally. Most plastics are technically recyclable, but there is the issue of cost, collect, of cost, collecting, sorting, cleaning, and finally, recycling plastics at a lot of costs that can't compete with the with inexpensive production of what are called virgin or new plastics. Of all the plastic that has ever been produced, only 9% has been recycled. 12% has been incinerated or burned, and 79% ended up in landfills or loose in the environment. Part of the reason is that plastics recycling is complicated. There are seven different types of common plastics, and each of them must be recycled separately. And many products are made of more than one type of plastic, or they contain other components like metal, which is really common in electronic waste, for example. 
So the waste streams at recycling facilities require an arduous amount of sorting and cleaning, and many plastics will have different recycling processes. The U.S. actually used to export our recyclables to China for recycling, but in 2018, the Chinese government prohibited importing waste, so they no longer accept it. Now, poorer countries, mostly in Southeast Asia, buy the world's plastic trash, and often they aren't recycling it. Instead, sometimes they burn it for energy production, which results in a lot of air pollution. I actually heard that there's this giant mass of floating plastic on the ocean. Is this true? Unfortunately, yes. People may have heard about one of them, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Wait, so there's more than one? Yeah, there are several, actually, and they're scattered throughout our oceans. In the case of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, just over half of its mass comes from plastic fishing equipment. But the rest is mostly post-consumer plastic. Most of it washes out of rivers in Southeast Asia and Africa, regions that don't have fully developed waste management infrastructure yet. And if we don't get a grip on this waste problem, it is predicted that there will be more plastic than fish in the sea by 2050. And this brings us to microplastics. Microplastics are pieces of plastic less than 5 millimeters long. Because plastics don't decompose, most microplastics are bits of plastic loose in the environment which have degraded. While UV light from the sun can eventually break down plastics, this process can take years or even decades. And even then, these plastics aren't decomposing, they're turning into microplastics and even smaller nanoplastics. These tiny plastics are extremely harmful, not just in terms of climate change or plastic waste buildup. In nature, animals can mistake microplastics for food. This can have the immediate effect of suffocation or entanglement, but plastic ingested over time can also build up in their gut, eventually killing them because they can't digest nutrients properly. Microplastics that are consumed by animals can travel up the food chain as one animal which has microplastics in its body is then eaten by another, and so on. Eventually, these microplastic-laden animals are consumed by us. Was there a video you showed me of a microplastic that was found in a can of food? Yeah, there was uh, a viral TikTok in 2020 of someone in a lab opening a can of tuna and inspecting it through a microscope. What they found was uh, the tuna was littered in tiny pieces of microplastics, some of them even smaller than hair. Yeah, that was it. Ew. Microplastics are being found to cause long-term health issues, including reduction of growth, reproductive issues, inflammation, and genotoxicity, which is damage to the DNA. They've been found everywhere on our planet, from Mount Everest to the deepest parts of the sea. In a 2018 study, microplastic had been found in sediments of the Mariana Trench, varying from 200 to 2,200 pieces per liter. Actually, speaking of Mount Everest, there's tons of plastic there, despite the fact that you have to pay a $4,000 deposit if you don't bring down 18 kilograms of garbage, the average amount that a climber produces. Essentially, most people would rather pay a fine than bring down their own trash, which is what has led to that massive buildup in garbage at at even one of the tallest peaks in the world. The question remains, however, how do we fix this? Plastics have been found so integrated into our lives, as this pandemic has shown, Uh, Plastic and other single-use materials have been very useful. Restaurants were able to keep some business by turning to takeout. Medical workers needed face shields and gowns. And plastic was an easy disposable item that helped prevent the spread of COVID-19. Is it even possible to live without it? Yes, plastics are extremely useful. But since we have unsolved issues managing them as waste, we need to be thoughtful about where and when we use them. Beware of the word disposable. As we already explained, plastics last forever. You may throw out a disposable plastic bag, but it's going to sit around forever, maybe in a landfill, 
hopefully not floating in the ocean, unless it is recycled. Of course, there are situations where single-use products are appropriate. A single-use plastic syringe during a pandemic is necessary, while a plastic shopping bag is not. You can just bring your own reusable tote. And be curious, many of us don't even realize that some of the products we buy are made of plastic. A few examples are Swiffers, Clorox wipes, the blue surgical masks, diapers, menstrual pads, all of those are unrecyclable plastic. So what about in Wilmington? What can we do or what are we doing as a town to better our environment? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Wilmington High School's Environmental Club actually has something quite major planned for the coming year, and that is our styrofoam ban. The Environmental Club at Wilmington High School is currently working to implement a styrofoam ban uh, for our town. We plan for this ban to come into effect by 2022 or 2023. We're far from the first town to have done this. Styrofoam bans have been implemented in 52, 52 cities and towns in Massachusetts. So we're working with a lot of presidents to create a bylaw that will work best for Wilmington residents and businesses. Styrofoam, or expanded polystyrene, is harmful to the environment and to our lives. The International Agency for Research on Cancer says that styrofoam has the potential to be detrimental to human health, wildlife, and the economy. The reason why we're choosing to focus on styrofoam in comparison to other plastics is because styrofoam is unprofitable. So, uh, it's because styrofoam is so unprofitable that few, recy- few facilities recycle it. So once you ban it, what do you expect people and businesses to do instead? There's many styrofoam alternatives that are much easier to recycle than styrofoam or are made up of eco-friendly materials. Our main target with this ban is food establishments. At Olmsen High School, we've made a full switch from styrofoam to more renewable products, such as washable lunch trays and paper plates. For restaurants, owners can switch to these styrofoam alternatives, and many establishments in Wilmington don't use styrofoam or package their food for takeout uh, and package their food in uh, more renewable uh, materials for takeout and, or dining. Consumers can also bring their own containers for takeout or leftovers. There's a lot of routes people, can, people and businesses can take when it comes to opting out of styrofoam. Well, one part of the solution is swapping out the products we use for more environmentally benign alternatives. Another crucial component of decreasing unnecessary plastic consumption is changing our mindsets and behaviors. Try to remember that convenience always comes at a cost to someone somewhere. It may not cost you at that moment, but your purchase of those single-use plastic utensils drives demand for fossil fuels and contributes to your town's bill for the landfill fee or for the garbage truck service, which you will eventually pay for with your taxes. We are very fortunate to live in a country with so many conveniences, but developed countries like ours consume and throw away in huge amounts, and as our global population grows, this type of linear consumption produce, consume, throw away, is unsustainable. Everyone knows the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. And they're in that order for a reason. Recycling is a last resort. The first course of action is to limit the usage of of disposable plastics. Passing local policies that ban unrecyclable plastics like styrofoam and discourage single-use plastics can help decrease the consumption and production of those products, but action must be taken on a global scale. We hope this episode has given you a new awareness about plastics. They're an incredible invention that have done so much to improve our lives, but we need to work on solving these issues of plastic waste, toxic pollution, and the connection to fossil fuels. The implications for our climate, our health, and the health of our ecosystems and wildlife depends on it. And that's the end of episode one. Thanks for joining us and stay tuned for more Smart Sustainability. Smart Sustainability.